Guru Nation, welcome to episode 524 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I talk about the FDA's approval for Biogen's Alzheimer's drug, which recently happens, and what I think, and again, it's just my take on this, uh, what I think that may, may mean for the clinical research industry going forward. So let me know what you think about this in here. This was a live stream, so I did answer questions. I did talk a little bit about Clubhouse, my thoughts on Clubhouse. So it's kind of all over the place as most live streams are, but the focus, I, I, I guess the central point or focus of this episode was around the FDA's approval of Biogen's Alzheimer's drug. Check out the links in the show notes to my YouTube member channel. It's $9.99 a month. You get early access to videos. You get some exclusive videos. You get a live Zoom call with me and the other YouTube members. Check that out. Also check out in the show notes the CRC Academy, the CRA Academy, both now enrolling. They're always enrolling. Um, And send me a text 949-415-6256 for anything especially if you are interested in getting studies for your site or getting a site started or if you're interested in the academies we can help you out there too hopefully you like this episode let me know what you think make sure you like subscribe comment share catch y'all later bye bye lost me for a second that's what happens when you go live we're live we got facebook linkedin youtube twitter you're gonna see this streamed out to you you're gonna hear this on the podcast too this is an important one make sure you like subscribe comment uh share and hopefully you come away from this with a little more inspiration for monday happy monday thank god it's monday and hopefully you come out of this with maybe a little more like some more ideas And maybe um, understanding a little bit better about how this industry, how different things connect. Because we've got, right now, we've got in the space. And make sure you comment. If you're watching live, comment right now. Let me know your questions. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your concerns. Let me know where you're watching from. Let me know what the weather is like in your area. Let me know what you're drinking, what you're eating, where you're watching from, what you're doing. Let's get into it. Uh, last week, the FDA approved Biogen's Alzheimer drug, aducanumab, I believe it's called. MAB. Remember when MAB, monoclonal antibody. This study was rejected by the FDA for insufficient data a couple months back. Here's what's interesting from this. Besides the obvious that it's Alzheimer's and there's really been nothing approved for Alzheimer's. Uh, Here's what's interesting about this. And actually two people quit the FDA panel over this decision. So let me get into why it's interesting and why I think for us working in the industry, why this is an important thing and maybe what the FDA is actually signaling with this decision. So the data came out and the way you can, you can interpret, you can present the data in a number of ways. And I'm sure there's, I know there's people that know much more about this than I do. 
but basically the efficacy is kind of uncertain around this particular drug. The safety is perfect. I mean, nothing's perfect, but it's safe. The FDA said there's no, there's no safety concerns. Efficacy, on the other hand, we don't know. And diversity was good, was, was adequate for this study. So having a diverse representation, because remember, Alzheimer's is primarily female or majority female and a, a large percentage African-American. So this is where diversity, this is where things like Latinos in clinical research, black women in clinical research also become important. It's, 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 it's very easy for us in the industry to think of things in silos, like, hey, this is a diversity topic. This is a topic about technology. This is a topic about patient safety. This is a topic about being a CRA. This is a topic about breaking into the industry. All these things are connected, guys. The industry could care less about your silos. These things are connected. That's actually a good quote. The industry could care less about your silos. I was needing a quote. I think I got one. That's one of the reasons why I do these live streams, to come up with quotes. So where was I going with this? The FDA basically said, look, efficacy wasn't clear. You can argue that it showed efficacy. You can argue that it didn't. The way they presented the data, it was only clear at the highest dose. Um, again, if you want to know details, just read articles. That's not what my channel's for. You, this is to get you to be inspired to go research yourself and learn more about it than I do so you can come back and educate me. But basically the consensus is there was no safety issues. The diversity was fine to the FDA's standards. And efficacy is was debatable, but they approved it. They approved it because there's nothing on the market for Alzheimer's. So what does this mean? This is actually going to be, this is very good news. And the FDA, this is, you have to read between the lines with the FDA. They don't actually come out and say these things. Like, and first of all, the FDA is not your doctor either. So the FDA is not in the business of communicating to consumers, which are patients. Uh, they're just there to approve and then create the label that the sales reps can then pitch to the doctors. And this is theoretically how the doctors and clinicians learn about what's new is through sales reps and through these approved labels. So there's, there's a lot of stipulations added onto this Biogen study, but it got approved. So that's like a double good news for anybody working in clinical research or anybody considering getting a job in clinical research. And I think we're going to see uh, a lot more studies and a lot more investment from these biotechs and eventually buyouts from big pharma or co-partnership co agreements from big pharma with these biotechs for rare and unmet needs because the FDA has signaled that as long as it's safe and as long as you have diversity in your study, the efficacy takes a backseat. Obviously, it has to sh it has to have some some hints of efficacy, probably even more so than that. It can't clearly show that it's not efficacious, is what I'm trying to say. 
but it could it could be debatable, which is exactly what what it happened here. So even conditional approval, somebody just uh, commented. Thank you, Salim. I guess it was conditional approval. FDA will need further data for normal approval. That's correct. But conditional approval is much better than a denial or a complete response letter is what it's called. So it allows revenues to come through, right? And this, this is great news for sponsors. And I think what we're going to start seeing is a lot more investment into rare and unmet needs. And so that's the good part. Another good part is obviously there's already a hiring shortage that's going to expedite further. Uh, that's going to further worsen the hiring shortage because more studies, you're going to do more studies, right? There's going to be more money pumped into the ecosystem. So it's more opportunities for job seekers, for research sites, clinical night, clinical research, naive clinicians. If you are seeing these, patient populations, rare and unmet needs. And, and on top of that, you have a large minority database or a diverse database of patients in your private practice. That's a very good news for you as well. So I found, I like to read between the lines and this is my take from this. I could be way off base, but this is my somewhat educated hypothesis as to what this means this was big this this approval was a big deal even people from other industries are talking about this this was a big one not just because of alzheimer's though and and the market the total addressable market for that which is huge but what it means from the fda from the new fda regime so we get the best of both worlds because we've got a fda that is getting stricter when it comes to how studies are conducted, uh, getting stricter as far as documentation. Audits are probably going to go up because they're getting, the FDA is getting more um, staff. But, so, so that's the part that keeps all of us in the industry, in business, in demand. If the FDA was really lenient and said, hey, you know what? You don't even need to focus on GCP. They'll never do this, but you don't need to focus on GCP. Just let's get the data out there and we'll let the market decide for themselves. That would be bad for clinic for us in the industry. But they're they're getting stricter. They're getting tougher with things like regulations and diversity. So they're, they're starting to demand diversity in a lot of these studies. They want an accurate representation of the actual patient demographics uh, for whatever therapeutic area it is or, or whatever medical condition it is. But they seem to be approving things uh, with good safety data, diversity of data, obviously good quality of data. That's going to be that's what keeps us employed as CRAs here season sites but the efficacy you know like I said it could be up for debate if it's a rare or unmet need this is a big opportunity 
for all of us, all of us watching. Uh, Salim, what's up, man? Thank you so much. True, it's a big opportunity to get into neurodegenerative-related jobs. Absolutely, absolutely. But also you're seeing this in oncology. You're seeing this. You're seeing this in CAR T. You're seeing this in glioblastoma. I've been covering uh, bio uh, Kintara Therapeutics, which is doing a, a very important pivotal trial for glioblastoma, rare and unmet need. You're seeing this in BioCrist Pharmaceuticals, which focuses on uh, factor D inhibitor uh, type of studies, which are uh, rare. Some of them are rare. Some of them are not so rare, like lupus. Uh, so this is good across the board. This is gonna make this is gonna make sponsors more excited about investing. Studies are expensive, guys. So if the FDA all of a sudden got strict and started rejecting everything, they let's say hypothetically the FDA signals, hey, we need to make sure it has efficacy, and we need to make sure that it's safe. That's a, you know, that's a, obviously the safety thing we can understand. The efficacy thing would scare off a lot of the sponsors. And that's still probably the case where there's a lot of, of Me Too drugs. So this is why you're not seeing a lot of studies in therapeutic indications where there are a lot of standard of treatments. You're still seeing them, but you're really seeing more in the rare and unmet needs or comorbidities or different things associated with with therapeutic areas. For example, in schizophrenia, you have negative symptoms of schizophrenia. It, another one in schizophrenia, you have, uh, which did get approved, uh, tardive dyskinesia, which is an unwanted side effect of some of the antipsychotics for schizophrenia. So you're going to see a lot of those kind of things because those are unmet needs and there's nothing on the market. I guess that's the definition of unmet needs. So let me know what you think about this. Victoria Welsh, shout out Victoria Welsh, a true generalist in every sense, occasional CRA Academy guest lecturer. We appreciate it. Uh, she said, agreed. Luisa, Luisa Hernandez. Yes, we need these groups that are helping us create diversity. Absolutely. Based on your experience. So put your comments, put your comments down. I want to see what you have to say about this. Forget about what I have to say. What do you have to say about this? I just want to spark the conversation. I think it's a good conversation. I think it's a good way to think about this. And I want to see likes and hearts and uh, shares. <clears throat> okay, shares, likes, and hearts. Shares, likes, and hearts. It's going to make my day. Uh, 20 plus strong, based on your experience, what is the best recruiting strategy for seniors? Just in case further research on Alzheimer's needs to be done on this population, it will be needed. It will. Uh, no better way for this population, as most populations, the clinicians who actually treat these patients. That is the best recruiting strategy for this population. Getting the clinicians who actually treat these patients to do research, either as a PI, preferably as a PI, but also as a sub-investigator. This is the thesis that my company, DSCS CRO, is built on. For the last eight years, we've been focused on this. Everything else we do connects the dots to that. Latinos in clinical research, you want more diversity? Okay, we need more diversity in the workforce. We need more diversity from the physicians that participate in research. 
that's going to lead to more diversity in the patients. Uh, research naive physicians, we need to get them excited about research. This is this is all these things connect. And then all the stocks I talk about, the small to mid-cap biotechs that focus on these rare unmet needs. And don't just come out with one investigational product anymore. They come out with a platform, a platform of products, a platform that can be adapted to different but related medical conditions. That's what you're investing in these days. This is very different than a decade ago where you're investing basically in an IP, you're now investing in a platform when it comes to these biotechs. Look at the coronavirus, the pan, the pan uh, vaccine, the, the one that's a platform is the one that's most intriguing because it can handle most of the variants, right? It's good we came out with the ones that we have from Pfizer and Moderna because we need those immediate needs. And that's just one example, COVID. But the platform, the company that comes out with the platform that could handle the different variants in 2030 is the one that's going to succeed in the long term. Everybody's interested in the short term. Short term is cool. Long term. Watching from the highlands of Scotland, drinking a nice cheeky wine. <laughs> I'm jealous. Thank you, Stuart. I'm going on vacation tomorrow afternoon for three days, so... I'll be enjoying some cheeky wine as well. That you've inspired me, Stuart, to partake in some cheeky wine. Uh, Luisa says the thing. The thing is that sometimes it's difficult to find research-driven physicians. Yes, Luisa, but you know what? Physicians are smart people. A good percentage of these physicians are business people. And we need to, this is, I'm glad you met, you did the follow-up. We need to find ways to motivate them. Exactly right. And that's, whose responsibility is that? You can argue it's industry, it's pharma, it's CRO, it's sites. It's yours. If you want to solve this problem, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. That's why we're doing a lot of the things we do. A lot of the things we do, even these biotech stocks, when I make these 10, 15-minute videos, people are like, why are you doing this? It's not about clinical research. It is about clinical research. And I know that physicians are interested in biotech because they can understand the science and they like investing for the most part. And this is a way to Trojan horse them into the world of clinical research. Say, look, look, you can discover this on YouTube. Not to mention, if you understand the full spectrum of how things are connected, diversity, rare and unmet needs, uh, the hiring shortage, the tremendous hiring shortage that is currently, currently existing in this space before all this new wave of investments comes through. What do you think is going to happen now? Now, when all the biotechs look, look at the FDA, what they just did with this Alzheimer's drug, and they all say to themselves at their next board meeting, look, the FDA just said it needs to be safe, patients need to be diverse, and efficacy, you need to demonstrate some efficacy, but you don't need to prove it beyond the shadow of a doubt. You just need to, if it's a rare and unmet need, they're going to do it. They're, they're, it's a very likely they're going to do it. Even if, like they told Biogen six months ago, hey, 
we're not accepting this data, but come back and we'll talk again. They come back six months later, boom, conditional approval, still approval. And this was a very controversial decision because like I said, two of the FDA panelists quit, resigned because of this decision. But this signals potentially something new. So, and for all of us in this industry, this is a very good thing. I'm very interested in this. Nancy, 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 CRC Academy graduate and all, longtime Clubhouse supporter. I've been, Clubhouse, I've been having mixed feelings on Clubhouse. I think the growth has slowed. I'm seeing the engagement slow. I'm very proud of Topaz Research for doing the Monday nights. I'm probably going to join tonight. I'm very proud of Rod Raphael for doing Thursdays. Christine Naro for holding down the fort for Fridays. I don't know. I like everybody was excited about Clubhouse in February and March. It's died down a lot. To say that it hasn't died down a lot. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's over. And it doesn't mean it's not a great place for you if you're trying to network to go network because the life sciences industry still does use it. Even though it's not the hottest thing, it's not the hottest thing on the block anymore. It's still early. Are you traveling to Cameroon? Uh, not anytime soon. Nope. I would love to. I love traveling, but I don't have any plans. Gazelle, CRA Academy graduate. CRA, you're probably senior CRA by now. Thank you so much for dropping in. Marjorie, Mar the speaking of Topaz Clinical Research, Marjorie, keeping it real under the Guru Nation brand is going to be tonight. Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I'll be on if I remember. I will be on. Hey, Dr. Cooley, Dr. Carr, how's it going? Uh, Nancy, thank you. It's def <laughs> definitely more interesting when you're on. Yeah, it's tough to be on. Uh, let Okay, Marjorie, we'll talk about this tonight. Let's do it. I'm game. I'm game. Interview-related questions on co configuration and QC. Quality control. You're going to need to tell me more. You're going to need to tell me more. I just interviewed somebody um, from Mexico City who got hired. I just published it today for the YouTube members only. Tomorrow it goes out to the rest of the public. That's a shameless plug for my YouTube memberships page. You get. We're going to do a monthly Zoom call. We're going to do exclusive uh, live streams. And we're going to do exclusive videos, and we're also going to do early release videos. But don't worry, for all the free YouTubers, I'm, I'm just going to keep making more content, not less. I'm making more. Um, hey, Dan, what do you mean about the IP, investigational product? I normally do rheumatology studies, but now we have gastroenterology and even dermatology with the same medications. Yeah, good. Well, that's a new, new um, application for the same IP. That's fine. If you look at these biotechs, watch the, watch the videos I make where I review biotech stocks. I know you may not be interested in stocks, but watch it. Well, look, look, you got to know if you want to get ahead in this industry, you got to know where the ball is going. Wayne Gretzky said, um, you, don't, you don't pass the, the puck. He played hockey, right? So it's a puck. You don't pass the puck to where the player, your teammate is. You pass it to where they are going to be. We need to look at where the industry is headed 
And from these biotechs, they're not just coming out with one IP. They're coming out with a platform, which is a technology platform that allows different IPs, depending on reverse engineering the unmet medical need, using the platform to kick out different IPs. Uh, Emma, what's up? Watching from the UK, can you throw more light on phase one studies, submissions, study startup? Oh my goodness. The best person for this is Carla Vera Navas, who's my colleague. She's a phase one expert. I mean, there's not much difference. I mean, the submissions, right? You need regulatory affairs to get the NDA or sorry, the IND for the IP, first in human. And then study startup is no different than study startup for a phase two or three. It's the same thing. Uh, it's less sites, so it's a little bit easier, actually. I just got a job as an associate clinical project manager in Germany, thanks to your YouTube lectures. Thank you very much, Nadi. I really, really, really appreciate that. Congratulations. You've earned it. You're a self-starter. Anybody that gets jobs from the videos or from our academies is a self-starter. Uh, okay. Tamia, how's it going? How's it going? Congrats to you as well. I know we've been messaging one another. Big time for you. Big time. And uh, that's, look, the industry is, why do you think? There's a hiring boom right now. It's because of all this new investment that's going to come in because this is going to incentivize more drug companies to create new clinical trial programs because investors want to return. And if the FDA is saying we just need safety and diversity of data and efficacy, I mean, you need to show, you still need to show efficacy, but it doesn't need to be like clear, cut and dry. This is efficacious. It could be debatable, which is like what this biojet thing was. Tamia uh, would love to have you on the podcast as well. So let me know what you guys think. I'm just going to answer more questions. If there are, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and share. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. And also, if you feel compelled, join my YouTube membership page. Uh, I go out of my way to make sure there's value for the people who join for the YouTube members page. If, even if it's nothing else but those monthly Zoom calls, those exclusive monthly Zoom calls. But you're going to get early access to videos like the one I did with Kate, who became a CTA. That's going to go live tomorrow for everybody else. But for the YouTube members, it's live right now. It's live on the channel right now. And we're also going to have some YouTube members exclusive only videos like when I talk about using social media uh, to further your career opportunities uh, because I want to talk about things more related to research. And with the YouTube members, I get to go more diverse. I get to go talk about things like investing career, a little bit of career development without boring the core audience. So just for the people who are, really interested in expanding and learning and like seeing more in depth about how all these things connect and all these things connect guys, technology, decentralized trials, the hiring shortage in research, diversity, 
the FDA's requirements, all these things connect. Research naive sites, experience sites, site networks, all these things connect. Uh, other than physicians, is going to skilled nursing facilities, adult daycare, adult housing a good recruitment? Of course, it's a good recruitment avenue for geriatric population. Of course, of course. The difference from a regulatory standpoint for phase one is continuing review has to be done every six months instead of every year. There you go, Tamil. That's why you get the job. You know what you're doing. You know you know what you're talking about. You did the work. You did the work. You bought the book. You read. You listened to the. I don't know if you read the book or you listened to the audio book. Doesn't matter. You've immersed yourself in this content, and you made yourself an expert in your domain which is employers appreciate that. This person took the time. Nobody told Tamela to do this. She did it on her own. Yes, uh, recruitment strategies outside of the physician access route, you and the rest of the industry are thinking about this stuff. It is not easy to recruit outside of a physician's database because there is, there is no trust. When you're talking about someone's health, they are not very likely to listen to the advice of a stranger. Call, call that crazy, but that's the way the world works, especially when it comes to health. We're not selling hamburgers where you can, you know, you, you see a street vendor in New York, you go buy a hot dog, right? You're trusting a stranger. Even that's actually a big trust. <laughs> you're putting something in your body, but this is clinical trial. I mean, you're talking about Alzheimer's? You're talking about life and death. So why would you listen to a stranger? Not saying it doesn't work, but it's an educational process with no immediate ROI, return on investment. No immediate ROI. But the juice is worth the squeeze. Oh, two-minute school. Thank you. You can't be a YouTube member. I really, 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 really appreciate that. Can't wait to do these Zoom calls with you guys. So, yeah, that's it, guys. I mean, if there's no more comments, let me put the banner, the last banner. I should have had this on the whole time. Forgot. Clinical research is booming, in case you didn't know. Uh, now you know. And always pay attention to current events, what's going on in research. And what I interpret from the Biogen Alzheimer approval is it's very bullish for the next couple of years, if not the next decade. Not to mention all the other stuff I talked about. Personalized medicine, gene therapy, um, it's just so much, so much. Uh, just trying to figure out a, a way to break into the minority population since most of them are underinsured. You've got to earn their trust. And that's not an easy thing to do. And there's no strategy I can tell you other than go out and earn their trust and hire people for that. Hire people who can achieve those outcomes. Hi, Dan. I have a science background. I want to set up a CRO. How much capital would you need to set up a CRO? Don't do it. Don't do it. Do a, a site first. If you really want to set up a CRO, do a site first. There's no way you're competing with Ikevias and the PPDs and the Cineoses of the world. 
when they own their own central labs, they own their own data management, they own their own tech, they own AI, they're pushing for decentralized trials, how are you going to compete with that? You need, what you're trying to do is create a niche CRO, which is good. There is a need for that, especially with what I just said, all this explosion in rare and unmet needs. There's going to be a shortage of CROs that want to do studies. So my CRO focuses on early, like the pilot studies. We only have two, we have more than two studies. We only have two companies we're doing studies with right now, two sponsors. And it's very early in the process. It's things that no CRO would want to do other than mine. And the CR, our CRO is going well. If nothing else, it's helping the CRA Academy students get some experience under the belt. And it's helping me learn a lot about the process, like the early process, the regulatory affairs, the getting the drugs through the pilot studies. And then it's opening myself up for opportunities to collaborate with bigger CROs. If the phase one or the pilot study is successful, the data is successful, and the sponsor decides to invest in bigger trials, I'm going to be involved too, uh, but collaborating with the bigger CRO at that point. Uh, so if you want to start, set up a CRO, don't try to compete with the capital. Don't go, don't raise any money. Don't raise, raise zero dollars. When I started my CRO, I raised zero dollars. It was all me and Chris's time. Who's Chris is my business partner. We don't compete with dollars. If you're going to compete against Ikevia with money, you're going to lose. If you're going to compete with Ikevia with time and effort on a very small niche area of expertise that you know very well, you have a chance to win. I still think you should start a site first, learn the issues at the site, learn the process, develop relationships with sponsors, especially the small sponsors, and then tell them that you have a CRO or you have CRO capabilities. Because CROs, look, if you go that route, at the end of the day, you're going to have influence over sites uh, or at least the sites you created, which all the CROs are trying to do. All the CROs are trying to get influence over sites. That's one of the things my CRO does very well. On We have influence over sites. We have sites in our network. Uh, thank you, Suji. That's the CRO is going fine. It's just a lot of work. Uh, very little pay on that aspect, which is why my advice to you, Akeliki, is don't, don't start a site. If you're gonna, if you don't take my advice and you want to start a CRO before starting a site, fine. Don't invest any money into it. Invest sweat. Invest sweat. Do you plan to increase, bring in new business? Uh, for my CRO, no. For my CRO, um, well, the answer is no. I'm not looking to do that. But yes, the opportunities do come. And that's when I collaborate with bigger CROs who could handle those new business. Because primarily I have a site. I have a site network. And I like to spend the majority of my time on those aspects of my business as well as the academies. And the CRO is something like a springboard into new opportunities for the other stuff. It's a springboard into opportunities for my sites. It's a springboard into opportunities for my students. And if we do happen to get a big project, which we haven't had, 
We've only had two small pro uh, two small sponsors working with us. There is hope that one of them turns into a big one, and I'll definitely vlog about that when it happens. But if it doesn't happen, it's okay. And if it does, it's okay too, because I already have plans to partner with a bigger CRO that can handle that. Um, there's a lot you can do as far as white labeling your CRO services and different things like that. But don't don't try to compete with Ikevia with money. The only exception to that is if you are starting a CRO in another country where you know that United States companies or European companies or or Asian companies would like to do studies. So like Latin America is a perfect example. A lot of, a lot of uh, companies, pharma companies, want to start doing studies in Latin America. And all the big zeros are already there. I mean, this is nothing new. But there is a, there still is opportunity to be a liaison between the U.S. or European sponsors and, you know, sites or clinicians in other countries where you need, you still need access and influence over these clinicians for their patients. And so, but even then, even if you're going to do that, don't invest money. Where, what's the money going to go to for the CRO? I could go on a, another hour-long podcast for that. I'm not. Uh, how to set up a site, Ambrine. I got the answer for you on my blog, theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Just go to it, theclinicaltrialsguru.com. You'll see one of the four tabs on the welcome page is open a clinic. I have it all laid out for you there. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for watching, listening. Good luck. Remember, subscribe, comment, like, share. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. Catch you later.